We're going to uh, go to a theme text for this series, um, Mark eleven twenty two through 25. Mark eleven twenty two through 25. The speaking part of faith. We'll do uh, part two this week. Speaking part of faith. I want to read you uh, Mark eleven twenty three twenty four. 24. Uh, I'll read 22 through 25 first, and then I'll read a quote here from Smith Wigglesworth. Um, Praise the Lord. God is good, isn't he? Praise God. You think the Bible would open right to Mark 11, 23, and 24? Even I had something in it and didn't. Uh, Verse 22. Uh, And Jesus answering said unto them, Have faith in God. For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say to this mountain, Be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatever he saith. Therefore I say to you, What things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you will have them. I think this is one of the most significant verses in the entire Word of God concerning the subject of faith. And these are words that Jesus spoke, fell from the lips of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. He's the one that spoke these. I know that because it's in red. Right? I didn't have to go to Bible school to learn that. It just read. So I know it's Jesus. (laughs) You people laugh. Nobody's laughing. There's a translation that says, uh, I think it's called... I'm not sure. I think it's the word translation, but it's really kind of an interesting translation in that uh, in the Old Testament, it actually puts the words of God in red as well. And so it's kind of fun to, uh, to look and see because it differentiates it. So you look at the Gospels and it's always fun because you're like, you know, it's funny because we all believe that the Holy Spirit inspired the word of God. We know he did. We know that um, holy men of God uh, spoke or wrote as they were moved by the Holy Spirit and then it was written down, and, uh, but still we see the words of Christ in red, and you're like, wait a minute, but this is Jesus. And um, it is. So Jesus said, have faith in God. Um, and Smith Wigglesworth has a book called Ever Increasing Faith, an uh, excellent book on faith, and um, I just want to read a, a quote from him. He said, and tell me if this doesn't sound like kind of our days, these are days when we need to have our faith strengthened, when we need to know God. God has designed that the just will live by faith, Romans 1.17. Any man can be changed by faith no matter how he may be fettered. And fetter is just an old English word for bound, held down, held back. I know that God's word is sufficient. One word from God can change a nation. His word is from everlasting to everlasting. It is through the entrance of his everlasting word, this incorruptible seed, that we are born again and come into this wonderful salvation. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. This is faith food. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And so it's amazing that from our first inception into the kingdom of God in salvation, it is uh, by grace through faith in God's words. And um, I want to turn uh, to Mark chapter 5. And read real quickly about the woman with the issue of blood. Mark chapter 5, verse 23. Uh, Excuse me. 
uh, verse 25, Mark 5, 25. And a certain woman, which had an issue of blood 12 years, had suffered many things of many physicians, and had spent all that she had and was nothing better, but rather grew worse. When she heard of Jesus, she came in the press behind and touched his garment. For she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue or power had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto him, You see the multitude thronging you, and you say, Who touched me? And he looked round about to see who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you whole. Go in peace and be whole of your plague. And this, this uh, uh, miracle that uh, the woman received is one of my favorite stories in the Bible, especially concerning faith, because, uh, you know, we're not going to go through all of them right now, but when you go through all of the individual cases of healing, 19 of them in the New Testament, you find out that the majority of them, uh, we are told, they received healing by faith. So how did that happen? By faith. If you look at uh, Hebrews chapter 11, you find like by faith, 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 by faith. So whatever you're looking for to happen in your life, whatever I look for to happen in my life, whether it's deliverance from something uh, like a sickness, a disease, a mental condition, uh, a financial condition, you're looking for a financial blessing, you're looking to uh, leap forward in your walk with the Lord, you're looking for uh, wisdom on how to raise a family, uh, you're looking for a spouse, you're looking for uh, anything that's good, it's going to happen by faith. And so the way faith is really the hand that reaches out and receives from God. Even our salvation, Ephesians 2.8 says, we are saved by grace through faith. And I love the next part. Not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, lest any man should boast. So it's saying, like, don't ever get the big head and say, like, I am so special, and I'm more special than everybody else. I'm definitely more special than a non-Christian because God chose me. Right? Uh, you know, the Bible says that God's will is that all men come to salvation to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, all mankind. So um, you're not as special, but you are special. I like to say I'm special just like everybody else because <laughs> we're all special. And, you know, if you were the only one that were to accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and receive him, if you were the only one, Christ would have died for you. Just you. That's how important you are. So it's not that we are not important. We're important enough that the Son of God himself would shed his own blood, not only shed his own blood, but take upon the sins of us all on himself. Like himself, he took our sins and infirmities and our iniquities. And uh, I was talking with my father-in-law this week, and uh, we had an interesting conversation and it's really uh, amazing when you think about it. He told me, he said, you know, I was talking to um, the Lord one time, and I said, you know, Lord, I know that passage of Scripture that says, like, Jesus was tempted in all points, like we are, yet without sin. And I think that's amazing, and that's awesome, and um, that he was touched in all the same points. So any place that you have been tempted, Christ has... Uh, been tempted, 
Christ has felt it. Every area. Uh, there's not an area that you haven't been. And he said, but then I said to the Lord, like, but Christ never messed up. So he doesn't know what it's like to feel the guilt of having sinned. And he said immediately, the Lord spoke to him and said, yes, he does, because he took our sins on himself. So by, when he took his sins on himself, he actually feels the same guilt that you or I feel when we miss God and mess up. And I just think, I mean, the more you learn about God, the more you learn about his plan, his word, and Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, the more you realize, like, he knows a whole lot more than we do. <laughs> and um, he has everything set up so that not only we don't have to pay the penalty for our sin, and he experienced every point of temptation, but he experienced every feeling of guilt because all those sins were on him. And so he knows exactly where you're at. He knows exactly where I'm at. And uh, the devil really wants to get you thinking, like, I'm the only one. I'm the only one. Remember Elijah? You know? He's like, you know, Lord, I'm the only one. Everyone else is a filthy sinner, and I'm the only one. And the Lord's like, you don't know that much. I have at least 7,000 that haven't bowed their knee. You know? You're just seeing your little perspective. So we're not the only ones. We're not the only believers. We're not the only ones that are trusting God. And, um, you know, Brother Hagin said something that is, I think, very, very true. I've experienced it so many times. Is that when you start to feel mistreated, you know that the devil is working on you. So when you start to feel like, man, this company, they don't appreciate me. They don't care what I do. I might as well do a terrible job. I might as well just do whatever because, you know, nobody appreciates me or, you know, you're uh, you know, pastor in a church, you feel like nobody appreciates me, or you're like a parent, and you feel like, you know, all this effort and all this work I put into my children and all this money, <laughs> nobody cares, you know. And uh, you know like the devil's trying to get you uh, knocked off of faith. In other words, what's faith? Faith is trusting God and simply really trusting God so much that it causes you to act, causes you to do something. That's all faith is. Um, and so um, when you're feeling mistreated, you feel like people aren't respecting you, you know the devil's trying to get a foothold in you. Because what can he get a foothold in? We've been talking about it for a few weeks here, the power of our tongue, the power of our mouth. So then what do you start to say? Well, first you start to think it. Man, they don't, they don't respect me. They don't really care. And then what do you start to do? You start to like say it. Right, because you think about it enough, and then you start to say, "Yeah, I'm so disrespected, I'm mistreated, and people don't, you know, nobody knows the sacrifice I'm going through." And you start to feel like Elijah, <laughs> and you go to the Lord about it. And the Lord's like, "You know what? I've been through everything that you've been through, and I was victorious, so that you could actually stand in my victory. And uh, I've got other people like you that also are faithful, no matter what. And I have set up a system." And uh, I love in the epistles it says, like, it's not really to your credit if you um, get credit for doing what, uh, when you did what's right, if you uh, get credit for it. But if you're accused for doing something wrong and it's actually, you actually did what's right, then it's actually a credit to you and it's to your benefit. And I remember a couple different times at a few different jobs where I really stood on those scriptures because I was like, this is like to be accused. Uh, of doing something wrong when you actually went out of your way to do what was right, you just want to really smack somebody. <laughs> like, come on, 
<laughs> and, uh, and then you want to say, like, Lord, is this fair? Do you not see what I'm doing? Uh, but the Lord sees everything that you're doing. And the Lord knows everything that you're doing. And when you're uh, faithful to honor him, he said, I will honor you. And I will take care of you. And I will actually exalt you and lift you up. Uh, but he said, like, um, don't exalt yourself. I think it seems uh, that people become Christian, they receive Jesus Christ, and you're so excited, and you realize, like, look at all these great gifts, and look at, I'm, I'm like, not on my way to hell, I'm on my way, way to heaven, and even if I don't experience everything right now, I know it's going to be good then, and then you start to see more of the word, like, well, he wants me to experience it now, the devil's a liar, he's trying to say, like, no, 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 okay, because what happens, when you're born again, the devil kind of lost you. He doesn't have control over you anymore unless you let him have it. So, but then he wants to make you as miserable as possible. So he wants to try and put sickness on you and put disease on you and poverty and lack and so that you can actually be one of God's children that experiences lack or suffering in this life because he's lost you for the life to come because you have zoe inside of you, the life of God, the eternal life of God. And so then if he can get you to believe, even as a Christian, a lie then he has power over you and he can limit you because I don't know if you've ever been like so sick that you can't get out of the bed, but you can't really do much good for Jesus laying sick in the bed. Uh, and so it's to the devil's interest to, to keep you and to keep me uh, down. But it is by grace through faith. And so we always want to keep our focus that it's not something that we did ourselves. It's not because we are more special than anybody else. It's because God loved us and God decided that he was going to send his son to die for us so that he could have this relationship, this fellowship restored that Adam and Eve had lost in the garden. And so I love that because uh, it's not based on your performance or my performance. Do you realize if it was based on the performance of a man or a woman, Adam and Eve would just be in hell and we would all be lost forever? Like, Jesus would not have come. The first Adam messed it up, and God would have been like, you know what? These people I've created, they're idiots. And, you know, I'm done with them. But he sent Jesus Christ to redeem the idiots. <laughs> Don't take exception to that. <laughs> he sent Christ to redeem us, that we're not able to walk ourselves or to redeem ourselves or to live rightly before the Lord ourselves. He made a way, and that's through Jesus Christ and through the blood of Jesus. So we're talking about uh, the speaking part of faith. When we're talking about faith, faith is simply acting like the Bible's true. In other words, uh, if you could boil it down, I think you'd say that um, you believe what God said so much that you act like you believe it. So if you believe that God meets all of your financial needs, then how would that change how you're acting right now? How would that change how you act this week, next week? And uh, let me give an example. Uh, we lived in Michigan for nine years, and when we first moved to Michigan, you know, the United States had a big uh, recession, really, in 2008, and things went, you know, financially, market went down backwards and stuff. Most people are probably aware of that. And, uh, but in Michigan, they are so driven by the auto industry. No pun intended. <laughs> that just happened. Um, the, but they are like really, as the auto industry goes, so goes the state of Michigan. 
Kind of like as the government goes here, so goes our region, right? So if they say, you know what, we're going to cut back 25% on uh, the government in every single area, uh, our area would probably have see some effect to it, right? Because there's so much affected by it. And so um, Michigan was that way with the auto industry. So in 05, when we moved there, they were already in a recession. Had been for probably four or five years. And so when 08 hit, it was like they were already, like unemployment was way over 10%. It, it was, uh, it was uh, pretty bad um, there. And they experienced it, and they actually came out of the recession before the rest of the nation because they kind of went into it uh, before the rest of the nation. And so uh, when you start talking about like relying upon God versus relying upon money, it, uh, you really find out where you're at when the money starts to dry up. And, you know, it's like uh, some people say, like, why do you see more miracles in other countries? You know, I think one of the reasons you could see them, two reasons, one is because people believe that you'll see them in more other countries. And the other is a lot of people in first world countries don't see like they have a need for God. Well, everything's going along just fine. And I know back in the 70s and 80s, they decided that uh, healing was no longer necessary because medical science had come so far. And uh, they decided that over in France, I think it was. <laughs> and um, it's kind of amazing how far medical science has come, and thank God for it, but it's amazing now that it's come so far, it's like they discover more diseases <laughs> and more problems and have more medicines and, and all of that. And um, uh, the thing is, faith in God will change any situation. Faith in God will remove any sickness, any disease, any bondage. Just simply trusting God. And what we do is we trust God so much that it affects our actions. And one of our biggest actions that we have is the words of our mouth. So Jesus said, uh, For verily I say to you, whosoever shall say to this mountain, Be removed and cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but believe those things which he says shall come to pass, he'll have whatever he says. And we talked about last week, if you look in that verse, you actually see that the word believe is there only one time, but say is there three times. And so... Um, and actually, the last two says are the Greek word Lego, which is, means a set systematic discourse, just like my kids have little Legos, and they love to build the Legos. And so they build this imaginary world with Legos. And so you build a non-imaginary world, a real world with Lego, Lego of the Word of God. You and I build that with our set systematic discourse. So if you're going to have Legos, and now my kids are the age where they can have the small ones because we don't have any little kids that are going to choke on them. So they take all of these little pieces, and they were gone last week. We're getting ready to move. So I was like cleaning up the house and organizing stuff. And uh, I thought I was cleaning the house. I was kind of downsizing. And I thought, man, I've been working so hard. And I felt like I didn't make any progress. But you have all these little pieces. And they don't look like much just by themselves. And they don't even look like much when you start to add one piece to the next piece to the next piece. But as you start to do it again and again and more and more and more, all of a sudden they're building like these little rocket ships. And then oh, they'll make a gun thing. And then they'll make this and make that. And they have all of these Legos. And they can just build kind of whatever they can imagine as long as they have all the right pieces. Well, uh, that sounds a whole lot like what Jesus said. He shall have whatsoever he says. So you could actually decide what you want and build that with your words. 
And you could take, uh, you know, the best way, the safest way to build what you want is you build it based on the Word of God. And I love in uh, John chapter 15 where Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask or demand what you will and it will be done for you. If you abide in me and my words abide in you. Why is that? Well, you know, some people, nobody here, of course, uh, but some people have said, um, you know, well, I believe that I want that man's wife. Well, you can't believe for something like that because, uh, first of all, that's very clearly wrong in the Scripture. It's wrong to even want that so, uh, so uh, what do you call it, strongly, like covet. It's the word covet. Uh, it's wrong to want someone something else, their wife, their house, their car, whatever. That's called coveting. And um, you can't do that. And so I just use that extreme example because, yeah, some people actually want to do that. And... Um, but we want to stick to the Word of God because when we stick to the Word of God, then we know that our desires are His desires and His desires are our desires. So, whosoever shall say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and not doubt in his heart, but shall believe those things which he says shall come to pass, he'll have whatever he says. And so the woman with the issue of blood in Mark 5.25 said that there's a certain woman with that which had an issue of blood for 12 years. She'd suffer many things and many physicians and spent all she had. It was nothing better, but rather grew worse. Have you ever been in that situation or known anybody in that situation? It's a condition that's been in her body for a very long period of time. And she has tried through whatever means she had available to get rid of this condition, and that wasn't enough. And it actually drained her of her financial resources. She spent everything she had, and she didn't even get better. She actually got worse. Um, verse 27, when she heard of Jesus, she came in the press behind and touched his garment. Well, what did she hear of Jesus? She must have heard there's this man that's anointed of God that's going around healing people and setting them free. So first thing you have to do is hear. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So when you don't hear, if you don't know, um, you know, I was so uh, blessed that I knew about Jesus from the time I was born. I was in church. And so I had heard of Jesus. But I have friends that had never heard until they were 18. Friends that never heard until they were 34. That Jesus Christ, that there was a better way. That you didn't have to live life this way. Okay? But until they heard that, they didn't have any hope. They were without hope in the world. They could only do whatever they wanted to do and might as well make the most of this life and do whatever you want to do and gratify yourself. But when you hear of Jesus, everything changes. Everything changes, and you say, whoa. Even if your head doesn't recognize it, your heart leaps. And so when she heard of Jesus, she came in the press behind and touched his garment or his clothes. For she said, and uh, the Greek word here means a continual saying. It actually means, so she kept on saying, if I can just touch his clothes, I'll be whole. If I can just touch his clothes, I'll be whole. If I can just touch his clothes, I'll be whole. So she was going around. She heard of Jesus, and I'm, I, I guarantee she was sitting there. She was thinking, man, if I can, man, if I could just go touch him, I don't even have to talk to him. I don't even have to have him acknowledge me. If I could just go, and if I could just touch him, I could be whole. And so this is the thought that's rolling around in her head. And is rolling around so much in her head, she starts to meditate it, which means mutter, excogitate, turn it over. And so she's going, man, if I can just touch this, if I can just touch his clothes, I'll be whole. If I can just touch his clothes, I'll be whole. Again, with meditation, one of the best ways to think of what meditation is, is to know like the negative side of meditation, which is like, man, this is costing me more money, and I don't know where the money's going to come from, and this always happens to me, and da, da, da. 
What happens when you do that? All of a sudden, you're like all worked up, and the atmosphere is actually tangible. And you can get in um, an argument with a, a close uh, friend, a husband, a wife, and um, you know I have gone in people's houses, or uh, you know where all of a sudden you go and you're supposed to go over, and all of a sudden it's like. You could tell something's just not right in the atmosphere, and sometimes it's bad enough that you could like cut it with a knife, and you could feel like oh, and you know like they have uh, just been in an argument, you know, and uh, sometimes they'll tell you, and sometimes they won't tell you. Uh, but I've had times where I've gone in, and people are like, yeah, we were just you know we were just fighting, you know, <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I could tell, uh, but it actually changes the atmosphere. Well, that's on the negative side of things. You can change, I can change, and we should change the atmosphere on the positive side of things. I love, uh, how many of you ever heard uh, John Osteen preach any messages? The older guy, he's passed away now, John Osteen. Uh, you know, you can find a lot of people's messages online. Well, John Osteen was uh, also from Texas, like uh, Brother Hagin was from Texas. They were friends. And John was very uh, fiery. And, uh, you know, he wouldn't kind of let things, uh, let things go by. So he's in the elevator one time. While he's in the elevator, you know, there's a guy in the elevator, and he just is, like, cussing up a storm. Man, ZD this. Nah, 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 nah. And uh, so finally John just speaks up, and he said, I demand equal time. He said, praise God. Glory to God. God is good. Hallelujah. Let's praise God together. And the guy just totally shut up. Uh, but, you know, in your, at least my flesh, I can't speak for you, I'll speak for me. In my flesh, when like this frustration tries to come and all this type of stuff, the last thing my flesh wants to do is praise the Lord. Like, really? What's there to praise the Lord about right now? Well, that's just really evidence that I'm looking more at the seen than at the unseen because uh, the seen is temporary, but the unseen is eternal. And when you or I tap into the unseen realm, uh, Man, the power of God comes on the scene and is available and is tangible and can flow right to you, to me, or anybody else. And, um, you know, when you think about, let's just talk about healing. Uh, somebody said, well, you know, will you be healed when you go and have hands laid on you when you're prayed for? Somebody said, well, I sure hope I will. Well, you know, they're not coming trusting God. They're not coming in faith. Because they are hoping. If you come in faith, you come knowing that when believers lay hands on the sick, or when a minister lays hands on the sick, that they will recover, not because of the minister, not because of the believer, because the Word of God says that's the way it is. The Word of God is so full of life, so full of power. When that Word is received and administered, that Word comes and changes. I mean, the Word of God says He sent His Word and healed us and delivered us. And so we know when you come that way that the Word of God does the work. Uh, T.L. Osborne would say, like, you know, you may hear me speaking, but it's His words. You may feel the touch of my hand, but it's His, he it's his healing power. So we're simply a vessel that the Lord works through and that the Lord channels through and that the Lord can uh, speak through and minister through. But when you say, like, you know, 1 Peter 2.24, by his stripes you were healed. That is a word from God, and that is truth. And that truth will drive out any sickness, any disease, any lie of the devil. Okay? Uh, by his stripes you were healed. Somebody said that um, praise is the highest type of prayer. 
And I think it's really true. Because if you're coming and you're going to pray and you say, okay, Lord, I need healing in my body. I pray that you'd heal me. Well, the Lord would say, like, I already have healed you on the cross. Jesus took your sickness and disease. So if you're going to pray the highest type of prayer for healing, you're going to say, Lord, thank you that Jesus took this off me 2,000 years ago, that this that I see is just in the seen realm, and then the unseen realm always affects the seen realm. So I declare, based on your word, that I am healed, and that I have authority over every sickness and every disease, and this sickness cannot stay on me, this disease cannot stay on me, and I not only am healed, but I walk in divine health. So um, we see Jesus said that whosoever shall say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and not doubt in his heart, but believe those things that he says will come to pass. He'll have whatever he says. And so for uh, healing, we have the foundation of God's word that he did heal us. So we can say to this mountain of sickness, this mountain of disease, get off me because Jesus actually already healed me. Jesus already set me free. Jesus is my vindicator. Jesus is my healer. He took this and carried it away. One translation says like he lifted it off. And I love that because whenever you're sick, you got sickness coming on you, it, it feels like a heavy weight, you know, and um, it can uh, hold you back and you just feel like, you don't even feel like you want to stand up straight. You feel like you kind of want to hunch over. And um, Jesus healed that woman that was hunched over. You know, and so uh, healing is from God. But Jesus said uh, in Mark eleven twenty two, "Have faith in God." And it doesn't. He didn't just speak that. He said um, he answered them, saying, "Have faith in God." So in other words, they had questions. We have questions sometimes. And they had questions. Jesus' answer to their question was, "Have faith in God." Well, what was their question? Well, verse 21, well, let's start with verse 20. In the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, calling to remembrance, said to him, Master, behold, the fig tree that you cursed is withered away. And Jesus answering him, so answering that question, like in other words, uh, hello, that tree that you spoke to with words has withered away. See the look on my face? You have to look at me. Sorry for you listening online. You can't see. It's a questioning look. Right? They're like, whoa, how'd that happen? Without using words. And we talked about that before with the confession series. Like, you know, con your communication is like 80% nonverbal. So apparently Jesus was using some nonverbals, or excuse me, the disciples are using some nonverbals. Well, what did Jesus do? Well, he had cursed that tree. Why? Because it didn't have any fruit on it. And then he goes right away and says in verse 22, Jesus answered him and said, have faith in God. So they said, how'd this happen? Have faith in God. Well, what did they say? How did what happen? Well, the, the tree that you cursed, the tree that you spoke a curse to withered. How did that happen? Have faith in God. So what's faith in God? Whosoever shall say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, not doubt in his heart, but believe those things that he says will come to pass. He'll have whatever he says. So Jesus had just like the day before said to this tree, this is what's going to happen to you. And then it happened. And the disciples are like, how did that happen? He said, have faith in God. Or like the margin says, have the God kind of faith. Well, Jesus is not going to tell us to do something that we can't do. 
right? He's telling us, have the God kind of faith. Well, man, if you didn't have the words of Jesus on this, you'd kind of hesitate. And you'd say, well, I can have the Tim kind of faith. I can have the me kind of faith, but can I really have the God kind of faith? Like the God kind of faith created the world. And Jesus is telling me to have the God kind of faith? Uh, One translation says, lay hold on God's faithfulness. Uh, Have the faith of God. Have God's kind of faith. Well, Jesus isn't telling us to do something that we can't do. In fact, he said, if you would have faith, even just as big as a mustard seed, you could say to this sycamine tree, be removed, come up and cast into the sea. Just the size of a, of a, of a mustard seed. Now, some people want to take, and I think uh, maybe they're well-meaning probably, and I don't know if they're hearing from the devil or just reasoning things out, but they want to say like, man, if I just had as much faith as a mustard seed, and I'm like, you're... You're not listening to Jesus. Jesus is saying, all you need is just a little faith as a mustard seed, and I actually gave you my faith. So you have faith as a mustard seed if you're born again. Romans says that he has given to every man, every woman, every mankind a measure of faith, measure of the God kind of faith, okay? And so, and then Jesus said, have the faith of God. And the faith of God acts like God, speaks like God, does what God does. And so Jesus said, to the tree be removed. God said, let there be light. God said, let the waters, let the land come out from the waters. God said, let every creeping thing do this and do that. God spoke and it happened. Jesus spoke and it happened. And the disciples say, whoa, how did that happen? And Jesus said, have faith in God. Have the God kind of faith. Act like God, talk like God, work like God. If you say to this mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea, and don't doubt in your heart, but believe that those things that you say will come to pass, uh, You'll have whatever you say. So you will not have what you think. We don't have what we think. You don't have what you simply believe. You don't have what the Holy Spirit wants you to have. You don't have what God wants you to have. You have what you believe and what you say. Jesus said he will have whatsoever he says. That is good news because that means that we're not uh, in a situation where we're just left up to fate. Well, whatever will be, will be. I guess if God wants me to have that, I'll have it. I guess it'll just happen. No, it won't just happen. And um, you have to do something about it. We have won the victory through Jesus Christ. We're actually more than conquerors through Christ who loved us and gave himself for us. But we have to actually go and possess it. Uh, Let's look real quick at uh, Numbers chapter 13. Numbers chapter 13. Maybe I'll just give you a a, a quick paraphrase of it. Remember Moses like sent out the spies into the land to check out the land of Canaan and see how it was and they came back and 10 of them had an evil report and two of them had a good report, Joshua and Caleb. You remember that story? Um, And so they went to spy out the land and they said, man, the land truly is full of milk and honey. But uh, there's giants in the land, and we're like grasshoppers in our sight and in their sight. In other words, we look puny and insignificant to ourselves compared to them when we compare ourselves to them, and we look puny and insignificant when they compare us to them, what they see, right? But Joshua and Caleb, they had a different report. They said, we are well able to possess the land. Let's go at once and possess it. And the Lord said, really, I have given this land into your hand. Uh, Go and possess it. But there's giants in that land. 
So you find out like it didn't happen automatically. If it happened automatically, they would have gone into the land of Canaan. It had been flowing with milk and honey and just like the grape clusters, two men had to carry just one cluster of grapes. I mean, imagine like eating just one of those grapes. It must be as big as my head. It'd be like so juicy, you'd be like full of juice before you could even get the meat of the grape. And so, um, you know, our thinking happens, my thinking happens sometimes where you think, okay, well, the Lord said, this is Canaan's land. I've given it to you. So it's just going to be so easy. Like, I'm going to go, and like, they're going to give me a free place to live, and they're going to say, like, you know what? You need money. So I'm going to deposit, you know, $5,000 a month into your account. Just, you know, I just like you. So that's just going to happen. And all of this is just going to happen. Or we're just going to go to our job, and we tithe and we give, or we're trusting God for increase and favor, and, you know, they're just going to give me a raise but I'm just going to sit here and do nothing. But you can't figure it out. Like you got to be diligent and work and work as unto the Lord, not to men, because um, your reward is from him. So they go and Joshua and Caleb said, we are well able to possess the land, right? What did they say? They are well able. Well, it took them 40 years because of the people they hung out with. But all of those 10 spies that said, we are not able uh, the Bible actually calls that an evil report because it was a report of doubt and unbelief. Well, in that, in that situation, in this circumstance, 12 spies went. Every one of those 12 spies got what they believed and said. Joshua and Caleb got into the promised land. The 10 spies were not able. We cannot. It's too big. It's too whatever. They all died in the wilderness. They all had what they said. And so we have what we say, the woman with the issue of blood. For she said, if I can but touch his clothes, I shall be whole. And she did. She went and touched his garment. Do you know, like, nobody had done that before. Like, we have the woman with the issue of blood. And we have, like, Paul laid his hands on handkerchiefs and aprons. And we know the anointing can be carried in cloth and those type of things. They didn't have any of that. She didn't have any of that. She just said, if I can but touch his clothes, I'll be whole. Because he's the, you know, he's the healer. He's going around healing. For she said. So it, it, really, it really makes a difference what we say. Let me see if I can pull this up real quick. I, um, I didn't, uh, I took a picture of uh, this definition. And let me see if it's in. There we go. So this guy, he went to uh, Mark 11, uh, 22 through 24 and uh, wrote down every Greek word from like all the different translations and stuff that you can find. And um, Jesus answering them said, have faith in God. Uh, the word have is uh, the Greek word echo. It says have, hold and keep it, take possession of it and be possessed with it. Embrace it, accomplish and achieve with it. If you had it and lost it, recover it. Go to the law if necessary. That's what Jesus is saying about faith in God, right? Uh, have it, achieve it, embrace it, possess it. If you had it and lost it, go get it with everything you can. Um, and then faith is trust, reliance, assurance, confidence, conviction, and consistency. And um, let me just read you a, a paraphrase that he wrote from, from looking up all these words for the sake of time. Uh, Mark eleven twenty three. apologize, there we go. This, this is the paraphrase from looking up all these words and kind of putting them together. He did a really good paraphrase. Listen, this is Jesus. I'm telling you the truth, and I would never lie to you. Whosoever, and I mean anybody, that has this kind of faith, 
And we know this is like the God kind of faith from verse 22 that we're supposed to grab hold of, possess, if you lost it, grab hold of it. Uh, Whoever has this kind of faith can command or even directly speak to this thing that has lifted itself up and over them, this situation that has arisen, this mountain that is blocking their path of life. Anything like, get off me, get out of my way in the name of Jesus. I sling you away and slam dunk you into the deepest ocean. Now remember, guard your heart. Don't give in to temptation, to doubt, judge, discern, hesitate, waver, or pick your faith apart. Just believe. Isn't that good right there? I'll pause. Like, so good. Like, don't pick your faith apart. Don't doubt. Don't waver. And, um, you know, we travel with a guy named Jim Hockaday, great minister of God. And um, he was uh, in charge of prayer and healing school for, I don't know, like 13 years or something like that at Ramah. And he started out there. And when he did, man, it seemed like everybody he'd pray for, they'd die. <laughs> and they just weren't having a lot of success. And so he kind of went to the Lord about it. And he got revelation, you know, like, we're kind of like trying to like, Tell people like, well, once you have enough faith, if you just let's just build you up in faith and read more scriptures and do all this, and you know there is that side. That's why I love the today's English version of uh, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. It says faith is awakened by hearing the word of God. And what we found out was that so many people um, can inadvertently get back into works when they came by faith. And so they're saying like, well, if I do this and this and this and this and this, and so they're doing exactly this. They're dissecting faith and trying to figure out all this type of stuff when it's like simply believe. Smith Wigglesworth said that all the time. Only believe. All you have to do is believe. If you believe and speak, it comes to pass. And it's kind of like what Jesus said. So um, uh, now remember, guard your heart. Don't give into temptation to doubt, the temptation to doubt, to judge, to discern, to hesitate, to waver or pick apart your faith. Just believe. Have faith, trust, reliance, assurance, confidence, conviction, and consistency in that faith and that whatever you say to this mountain, whatever you need, it will come to pass. Again, you will have whatever you say. That's awesome. That's just like a paraphrase that he wrote through writing down the Greek definitions of these words that Jesus spoke. And so whatever you desire, uh, when you pray, believe that you receive it and you'll have it. It's amazing. Like uh, as a parent, you feel like you're cheating because you're like, you know, if I could just get you to trust me, this will work, right? Like this is how it's going to work. And I think God is like that sometimes like, you know, Sonny, if I could just get you to trust me, like... You don't have to do it. You don't have to work at it. Just, I'm telling you, this is how it's going to work. If you jump off that rock, I will catch you. You know, but then I'm like, oh, I don't know. I don't know, Dad. I don't know. Like, will it? Well, okay, let me, I'm going to climb back down. Right? And he doesn't have the joy of me jumping into his arms, and I don't have the joy of catching him and, you know, and, and all of that. Um, simply believe. Have faith in God. And let that faith in God control your lips, control what you say. And you actually frame your world through what you say. We frame our worlds through what we say. And so, you know, we should say what the word of God says. And all the other circumstances will change. Stand with me if you would. Say this after me. I am a believer. I'm not a doubter. I have the God kind of faith. I have the faith that made the world. 
I have the faith that removes mountains. I have the faith that healed every disease. I have the faith of God. Praise the Lord. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for another opportunity that we have to receive your word. Father, we receive it with gladness. We receive it deep into our hearts, Father. We will make it part of our life that will not be a forgetful hearer, but a doer of your word so that we walk in light and revelation and understanding. I plead the blood of Jesus over every person that's here, over every person that's listening. Father, we thank you for your word that it gives us light and understanding. And Father, we thank you for sowing your word into our lives and that we can produce fruit for you and for your kingdom. We declare that we are healed, that we are whole, that we are healthy, that we are blessed, that we are financially prosperous, that we are set free from every bondage that the devil would try to put on us, that the devil has no place in us or around us. We declare that we have your very best in this life right now. Father, we declare that we are well able to possess the land. We declare that we are well able to get the message of the gospel out from our church, that we are well able to minister to the lost. Father, we are well able to be your hands and your feet and your lips and your mouth. Father, that we are the body of Christ. Father, that you have equipped us and enabled us with your spirit to be everything that Jesus was and to do greater works than these because he's gone on to you, Father. We thank you for it. We thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen.